Welcome to the Sick of the Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. I'm Chris Leonard, joined by Kyle Turnside and Sam Boone. How are you guys doing? How's it going, bud? Coasting. 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 Going downhill. Uh, coasting downhill. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you can't coast uphill, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> you can try. You can try. Um, real quick, on the front end here, we do want to give a big shout out to um two of our sponsors alan heath and rcf um and uh they are amazing to us they have great products uh speaking of alan and heath uh i'm going to be out at nam coming up here i'm working in the alan heath booth so come by and see some cool audio pieces of gear and uh maybe say hey to me and samantha potter and some other people it'll be fun i'm sure Um, i'm sure rcf will be there too somewhere right uh, possibly. I don't really answer to that, honestly. Uh, I have not Guess looked what? into the full lineup. What? I will not be there, and you can bring <laughs> home the Namthrax to your family, and I won't. Nice. Now, I last year, uh, I don't know. It was it, was, and people were still kind of nervous about that. I I didn't come home sick. Others did last year. Uh, a lot of people did the NAM to Infocom back-to-back thing last year. Um, this year, it's NAM to NAB for a lot of people. They're back-to-back. So, yeah, it's April. I should probably say the dates, um, but you probably at this point already know it if you're going. It's like April 14, 15, or 13, 14, 15, something like that. Second all those just Google it. Just I love Google and it. miss you all. <laughs> yeah, go enjoy that. Go hang out in the symbol section. That's one of my favorite areas at NAM is uh, the wall of symbols. <laughs> I think I think you have to experience. Like last year was my first Nam ever. I've been to other trade shows, but haven't been to Nam. So like, uh, y- you have to walk the entire floor just to get the experience, and then the next time you go back, only stay in the audio section. <laughs> I want to go to Winter Nam. I've only been to Summer Nam, so that's going to be next on my next on my list. Awesome. I like right, the European uh, ones. I like the European I, trade shows. I haven't, I haven't, cool. I haven't been to, I haven't been to any of those. Um, I am, I'm excited about today, right? So I think one of the things we've been, you know, kind of talking about is maybe talking to, I don't know, non uh, touring audio humans. Uh, and so I have set out to do that uh, as much as possible uh, in the near future. Uh, and so I, we're going to talk about post production today um, and dialogue editing and things like that. Um, which I have lots of questions about this. So um, Krista, and I am not going to try to say your last name, so I don't butcher because I'm going to butcher. Oh, you got it, Sam? Is it Giamatti? No. It's Giamatti or Giamatti, if you want to go like full Italian. I love it. I love but it. yeah, Giamatti, it's fine. <laughs> nice. I was so well, close, but so far. Yeah, so, yeah, um, so Krista um, runs and owns... Command Us Apparel, she's a freelance uh, audio post-production engineer and also does the audio industry news. And I'm a big fan of her work, personally, so I got super excited when Chris, you know, dropped this in the group chat. I was like, (laughs) I was like, ah, sick, this is gonna be fun. Nice. So, So, and she lives in the same state I do, so this will be fun. Yeah, we're so close. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out, Krista. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. 
So uh, a lot of different places we can go and talking in post production and uh, uh, stuff like that. But I uh, I want to start off. What is what is because um, as a freelance, you get to work on multiple different types of projects or whatnot. What is the most satisfying type of project to work on for you? Hands down, anything animation. I'm a huge animation person. Uh, that is super satisfying for me. I feel like there's something about animation that kind of lets you work outside the normal window of things. You know, it's not documentary. It's not live action. And usually in animation, you're working with like more fantastical things or maybe you can be a little bit more creative because it's not live action. So you're not having to do things so real. And you can play a little bit more, be a little bit more outside the box. And so that's always my favorite. I'm always trying to work on more animation. I have so much fun working on that. So let's back up 30 seconds. What exactly is post-production and what all is included (laughs) in it? For the slow kids, for me. (laughs) For those of us who have only ever worked on live and event things. (laughs) post-production is everything that happens after production so it's the editing and the coloring and then obviously the audio engineering (laughs) so um yeah so I do like all of the audio posts for things so I usually get it handed off to me after the editor the video editor uh hands me the edits for whatever we're working on and then I usually tackle either I'm doing dialogue editing or sound design or music editing or mixing uh sometimes a combo of all of those depending on the project um and so yeah that's a little bit <laughs> that's mostly audio post-production <laughs> tv movie what kind of uh projects so i freelance so i work on a little bit of everything um i've done a lot of broadcast audio um especially like in promos um i've done a lot of promos for like hbo national geographic um that kind of stuff and then i've also done some uh shows and like uh, 30 minute spots and things as well um, and then I've done some documentary film mixing. Um, I worked a little bit in game audio. Uh, I've done some podcasting stuff. Um, yeah, a little bit of everything as a freelancer. <laughs> Maybe you could give us some tips on the podcasting part. <laughs> Careful what you ask for, Kyle. I do. Um, we need it. Trust me. My computer hasn't failed in like a month. It's about ready to, I'm sure. You jinxed it. <laughs> I can now. hear you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So how much of this, when you say sound design, is that things like Foley? Is that, you know, kind of sound effects? So we're talking everything from you creating the sounds going into it all the way through the processing and editing those sounds up until what it's ready to go to, let's say, something like mastering? Yeah, Um so it depends. Sometimes editors will like put sounds in that they want to keep. Um, sometimes like they do a little bit more sound design, but it kind of depends on the editor. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it's like all fully, all production. Like I'll get production sound. So, you know, I obviously I get the dialogue, but then sometimes I'll get room tone. I'll get, you know, if there's cars in the scene, you know, sometimes I'll get those cars and things like that. So like some of the sounds are there um, a lot of the time. Sometimes none of it is there. Or sometimes, you know, something happens on the production side uh, where it all, you know, got deleted i don't know some stupid shit happened but uh yeah i for the most part i do like the foley i'm doing the sound effects sound design um depending on you know if it's more documentary style or more creative like trailer e um i'll do more sound design for the trailer stuff obviously than for the documentary style which is more like a uh, basic but yeah 
So where is the location that you do this? Do you do a lot of stuff at a home studio or do you go to a location to it? Yeah, I do it all from home. Uh, I don't do like any location-based editing anymore. Uh, I used to. like I would go to different studios uh, and contract out of there and do some work. Um, but ever since the pandemic hit, I'm all doing it. You know, It all kind of went to remote work uh, in post-production. Uh, it kind of went that way and then it stayed that way. So yeah, now I'm doing everything just out of my home studio, uh, which is why I love post so much because, you know, it's like all in the box, you know, it's not like uh, music production. <laughs> Sick. How did you Go ahead. get into post? Um, <laughs> so I went to first, I, w- I went to college for audio production. Uh, technically, I majored in music industry studies with a concentration in recording and production. I went to Appalachian State University, Sam. I don't know if you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Appalachian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Close to home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I majored in that. And while I was there, it was mostly like music based, but I had kind of mentioned that I was interested in, uh, the film sound side of things. And luckily my professor, shout out Scott Wynn, was nice enough to let me do my final project, uh, as like a post-production project. Um, and I did that project. I wiped us all the audio from a scene from the movie Big Hero 6 and I redesigned all the audio and I was doing that and I was like, this is my happy space like this is what I want to do in audio like I found it like this is the thing um and so yeah after that I did an internship uh in post-production and I really loved it um and I ended up working after that uh at a music retail store and I got my first couple clients from there um just talking to people talking to everybody that came in about what they do uh you know if they worked in post if they needed an engineer all of that. Um, and that's how I started kind of freelancing. I didn't set out to freelance. Um, I wanted a job, like a salary yeah. job. Um, but I didn't know. Nobody told me that in post-production, most work is contracted. Um, I did not know that. So I went in falsely thinking like, oh, I'll get a salary job. Um, I quickly learned that is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> it's all freelance. Um, well, not all, but most of it. So yeah, I got clients from there. And then I started freelancing. I kind of just fell into it. Uh, and I ended up really liking it. I thought I would hate freelancing. Um, and then like a year went by and I was like, I love this. Um, and I continued to freelance in post-production and now I'm on year four of full-time freelancing in post-production audio. So that's awesome. Um, man, there's so many different little areas I want to go, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what, what makes sense. Um, what, what, and I know this is going to vary and like almost a- a- answers to everything's going to vary, but like. What does timeline look like for projects, both like how far in advance do you know you have something in a pipeline to how long do you have to accomplish it? I'm sure there's times where there's hot turnaround and for the time like or maybe what's like what's like the furthest out you ever know that you're going to be working on a project so you can kind of prepare for that from a pipeline standpoint. What's that what's that look like? That's a good question. Uh, post-production is uh, very spontaneous. <laughs> um, it varies. It can be anywhere from uh, I need this in less than 24 hours, uh, which I would say is quite a, often in this industry, especially um, with tight deadlines in production and TV broadcast. I've gotten a lot of stuff before where I get it at like 10 p.m. and they need it by like 3 a.m. So it's wow. like fast. Mm. Um, granted, those are like. Do you get to charge extra for that? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I mean, and, the, you know, those are like 30 second, 60 second promos. But still right. like, you know, when you're working on those kinds of spots for uh, big networks, you know, there's a lot of like details that go into it. So you have to be able to work really fast and like be ready for anything. Um then again, there are some projects where I do get a lot of notice. Um, it really just, it's all over the place. Uh, I will say like probably like 80% of the time I'm doing stuff within a day or so. Uh, they need it in a day or so. Um, and that's probably anywhere from a 30 second spot to a five minute uh, thing. Um, but did, but would, I you, did, would you have been given a heads up of like, hey, we're going to have this pipeline of things to have that quick turnaround? Or it's just you're not finding out until a day before that, it, that it's, before. Just, it's just hitting you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Day before. I'll have no idea. And I'll just get a message like, hey, we need this uh, done by tomorrow. Can you can do you, it? <laughs> can you name drop some stuff that you've done that we might have uh, heard some of your post-production? Or like, is that cool? Um, I, as an example of something that was really fast, uh, I did do the HBO. Um, I don't know if you know the... Uh, it's like the things after Euphoria plays. It's like the behind the scenes that they play on HBO. Like if you watch past the credits on an HBO show, like it'll do the like, uh, now we're going to talk about behind the scenes. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I did a couple for Euphoria, um, like the Zendaya interviews and stuff, because apparently the in-house audio engineer at HBO, like just couldn't do it that day or something or something happened. They were out. And like, I, I was reached out to by, um, so basically it was like this chain of events like somebody reached out to this person who knew me who then reached out to me because they couldn't do it and it got down the pipeline to me and they were like can you do this in like four hours and i was like yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely makes, i can <laughs> that makes sense now so it's kind of like the talking dead that was one of the first like series things that had basically interviews and people talking about the show after the show and it's kind of became a thing for a lot of yeah. those uh series talk so yeah that makes sense to me now um that sounds yeah, fun and, kind and of. i'll drop i'll yeah. obviously drop a link to your site you know in the description because you have like a bunch of like youtube clips and vimeo clips and stuff of like i guess work you've done for like volkswagen yeah. and espn and you know all kinds of stuff like that so that's uh yeah. That's pretty cool yeah yeah i have like a whole i try to link uh projects when i list them in my credits so it's like proof <laughs> you know like this exists so i'm not just saying here well, it plus is. It, it, i mean you need that um i mean that's i mean that's your that's your resume that you're you know that's mm -hmm. the way you can kind of sell your stuff um all right how about um how about uh file structure and management um the what a couple things here right so you have to have libraries of sounds and clips and stuff like that that have to be organized and then at the fast pace you're coming going in, I know like the minimal amount of editing that I do, I am sloppy as hell when it comes mm -hmm. to track names and untitled this mm -hmm. and you know, so uh how structured are you? Uh and what 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 does that look like? Wait, can I back up for a second? So yeah. So the real question, my first part I want to start is, what do your deliverables look like? Are you sending stems? Are you sending group stems? Are you sending masters? Are you sending, um, because I've done a teeny tiny bit of work for Sync, and mm -hmm. I know like all the metadata mm -hmm. that goes into that and that whole back end, not even on the file structure, but just on the naming, track edits, how you're bouncing things, right? Mm -hmm. What is that in post? It's funny because the naming doesn't matter 
as much in post-production. Like, no one cares about the metadata in post or, like, how something's named as long as it is all consistent in your delivery. Um, in terms of deliverables, I'm usually doing, um, like, I do stems. So it'll be, when I deliver something, I'm usually delivering a dialogue stem, a sound design stem, or SFX stem, a music stem, and then I'll do an M&E, which is music and effects stem. Um, I'll do a minus, which is everything but VO. I'll do VO. I'll do, you know, it's like a little bit of everything. Um, and then I'll obviously do a mix. And then I also send a web mix. Um, so mix is like uh, metered to broadcast specs. And then mm -hmm. web mix is metered more for the web, uh, obviously. <laughs> but uh, a lot of companies do request both of those uh, so they can put it wherever. Um, so I'm usually just delivering that as a package. In terms of the name of those files, uh, they don't really care as long as you clearly label them and it's the name of the project and you say what it is. Sometimes I am doing tags uh, and different things, especially for promos, uh, which is a tag is like, um, like for example, on National Geographic, you would hear um, like tomorrow night on National Geographic is this, or and then the next one is tonight on National Geographic is this. The next one is next week at nine is this. So it's the same mix, but just with a slightly different VO uh, mm. timing. You know, something's different about it. So I'll do tags, uh, and then those will just be grouped in different folders. I have to send mixes of each of those. Um, it's a lot of keeping track of files, but not so much like the naming uh, structure. At least in my experience, doesn't matter as much as long as it's as long as it makes sense. Um, in terms of sound libraries and stuff, uh, I do have a ton. Um, and it's funny because most post-production audio engineers will tell you that they used, um, they use like SoundMiner or Basehead to something like that to organize their files. And that's basically like a hosting, uh, how do I describe it? It's like, a, it's like Finder, but like advanced mm. <laughs> for uh, post-production. Um, but it basically like uses keywords and metadata and things like that for field recording and for uh, sound design libraries. Metadata is extremely important if you are recording those um, or using those. That's important because you're using those keywords to find the sound you're looking for. Um, and I'll have those. I have I it's funny. I was going to say like a lot of engineers use SoundMiner or use Basehead. I just never have. That's It's on my list to buy eventually, but for some reason, I literally have been fine using Finder <laughs> for all of my sound design. And obviously, like, I have it grouped. Like, I have the, you know, I have a, my sound library folder, and then I have, like, sounds I've made, and then, you know, sounds from every company, blah, 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 like, grouped water, all of that. But using Finder for me has just worked. Um, and I think I am just lucky sometimes to find sounds that like shouldn't work, but they just do for whatever reason. And I credit that a lot to my music experience. Um, I've told once before that um, audio engineers with like a music background are able to like pick out sound design a little bit more because they can like hear the tone and hear the pitch and like understand what sound works for that scene uh, a little bit easier than anybody not with the music background or not with the right experience. So um, I think that helps with that. So that's kind of how I go about my sound design file management. Um, and then going back to what you asked, Chris, um, for like, how do I manage my track names and things like that and files? Um, I have a template that I start with for every project. And then depending on the company, I might have slightly different templates for that company. Um, but all of those templates have, you know, dialogue one, dialogue two, dialogue three. And then they also have music track one, music track two, SFX one, yada, 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 uh, M&E, 
um, everything listed. And I have the template set up so that when I'm rendering out from Pro Tools, the names of each of those files will like automatically render out. So I have like underscore ME underscore music. So when I'm bouncing files out, I'm able to just select those buses and they're naming themselves essentially. Or like if I'm bouncing the dialogue tracks, it's named dialogue one, dialogue two, dialogue three. Um, so that's how I, I kind of keep track. Every single like project that I import, I'm dragging onto my template. So I'm taking their AIF file and I'm dragging it you know, dragging the audio track one, I'm seeing what's dialogue, putting that on the dialogue track, mm. I'm seeing what's music on there, I'm dragging that down to the music track. So now they're all of their stuff is on my template. So it's all named, it's all organized. And I never have to do it one by one, because that would just take so much time, <laughs> especially with these four hour turnaround times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you are, if you're dragging those files, are those full length files or um or any of them trimmed and so how are you keeping them time aligned um it depends on how they're delivered um for the most part they're so they're trimmed uh they usually get delivered from the editor with like however much handles so usually maybe like you know a thousand handles or something like that um excuse me um so i'll usually get like a trimmed file so it's not like the full length of the session it's like because you know sometimes you might only have somebody talking for like 0.5 seconds and then the rest of the time they don't talk again so it's just that little bit um so when it's delivered you'll see just like it's like checkers almost it's like every little bit everywhere right um and you get to a point where like you can tell what's dialogue you can tell what's production sound you can tell what's music just by looking at the waveform because they look so different from each other sure um so you get to the point where you can be like oh that's dialogue and you start dragging it down um and that's why a lot of times you'll hear like post-production engineers be like like, oh, the sorting process takes me longer than the editing because you have to, like, one by one pull stuff down. Um, but it does help keep you organized. And in the end, it does save time because you're not having to name every single track. And that template will save you, especially when you're bouncing stems and especially when you're dealing with, um, like, broadcast network companies who are asking you to turn down the music by 0.5 dB um, and then render out a new mix or render out just the music stem or whatever. Now everything's the same. So you literally can just go back into your template, move it, bounce it out, not have to think about it. Nothing's confused and everything's good to go, hopefully. (laughs) Now that you don't go to an actual studio to do this, what is your gear in the setup that you use? Uh, Do you use outboard stuff? Do you have your own? You said files for sound fully stuff like that you have mm-hmm. libraries of is it all in your computer or do you have like special equipment that you had to purchase separately what does your gear setup look like to do post-production at home yeah so i have um i just got a mac studio so that's my new uh main computer setup <laughs> um i run a claret uh for pre uh, because I don't really need a lot of inputs. So that's the interface that I use. Uh, Focusrite has served me well. Um, my only complaint is that the gain is not very hot on this, but that's fine. <laughs> um, again, I don't really use it that much. So I just literally have an interface. Any interface will do, but I just happen to have the Claret. Um, and then I run uh, a pair of Yamaha HS8s. Um, and I used to have another pair of speakers too, but I'm in the market for another pair of those um, just for uh, comparing and reference. Um, I have a couple mics that I use for Foley. Um, I use the AT4040. Uh, I happen to just really like that mic, and I think it's a really great budget mic <laughs> for 300 bucks. Um, it's really crisp and clean and beautiful, um, and I'm a fan of that one. So I have that, and then obviously the um, V7 um, just for uh, you know talking on Zooms and things. 
Um, and then I have a MIDI keyboard that's in front of me that I use for certain plugins and things and um, certain like music effects, um, a piano to my right. And then I have like five hard drives on my desk, which is where I host a lot of my sound libraries um, and backup projects and all of that. But honestly, everything else, I don't use any outboard gear. Um, I have never had a need for it just because a lot of the plugins that I use, the emulations of them are good enough that I feel like they're similar enough, especially for posts, that it's fine. Um, so yeah, everything else I use is completely in the box. Are you a Pro Tools user? Uh, what's kind of the industry standard for sound design? Yeah, industry standard for post-production is definitely Pro Tools, um, as much as a lot of people <laughs> don't want to admit it. Um, it is Pro Tools, but I will say in game audio and in sound design, it's more Reaper. Uh, I would really? say Reaper is the, the standard in that regard. I've seen more people use Reaper in game design um, than Pro Tools. Do you know why? Why? And they're stoners. Because it's free. <laughs> it is free. Um, and um, something about it is easier to use. I use Reaper. Um, I, I don't know. Not more than Pro Tools, but I do use it often. Um, it's easier to me for anything that's not uh, connected to a video. So like any media that I'm working on that's not connected to a video in any way, uh, that's just audio, like for radio or podcasting easier for whatever reason in reaper i think it's a lot more customizable you can work faster you can kind of customize it to your own workflow and the way that it's laid out just makes more sense but the downside is that reaper doesn't really have a lot going for it in terms of the video engine um, and those kinds of components so it can be a little frustrating to use in post-production which is why i think a lot of people still use uh, pro tools and then also in post-production like started out with using you know those big like avid inboxes and things and like it, it it's moved on from there so that's why a lot of these studios still use it because they started out with these big you know systems that ran pro tools and have they all have these sound cards that they've invested like thousands of dollars into so they've run pro tools forever but obviously all that has changed a lot with the subscription plans and you know everything that avid's done the last year but um yeah it's still pro tools for sure so working from home how do you maintain life <laughs> and I don't even mean like work-life balance. I just mean like spatially, like, do you wake up and like, is it when you're in your office, you're like, okay, I'm at work now? Or like, you know, what's that look like for you? Yeah, I think a big thing is having your workspace, like not in the same room as like your living area or your bedroom. Um I'm lucky enough to be in like a two bedroom townhome. So like one's the bedroom and I the other <laughs> bedroom is the studio. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of how I separate it. Um, I think it helps that like, I just like it. Like I, I love my job. So I, it's like when I come into the studio, it's like I'm automatically in work mode, but I'm also in like play mode at the same time. Cause I just like it. Um, so I think I'm able to focus a little bit better in that regard, but I, I totally understand what you're asking because there are some days that it is hard. Like, you know, I, I get very unfocused. Like there's a lot of things here that I can play with that isn't the work I'm supposed to be doing, but I think the tight deadlines keep me uh, grounded. Um, I'm a very like um, procrastination-y kind of worker where like I work well under pressure um, and I kind of prefer it that way because it helps me get it done. Um, if I don't have a deadline, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> so to be honest. <laughs> I hear that. Um, 
Hey, so you mentioned you have a music background uh, and that influences your work. So what does that look like? Um, so I am a percussionist. Uh, I grew up as a percussionist for like, I don't know, I was a percussionist for probably like 13, 15 years, something like that. Um, and I, when I went to music school, you had to major in an instrument. Um, and so I did major in percussion while I was in college as well. Um, I think it, it has, um, I think I, I did a panel at leading women in audio or somebody asked a similar question and I talked about it, but, um, I think it, it really helps you um, hear space a little bit better than um, those not. And I think that's the best way to describe it. It's like people in music understand like when silence in this is necessary, um, when a, a beat is necessary, uh, what flow feels like. Like there's certain things that you can't really quite explain, like the rhythm and flow of something. is just like the vibe, the feel of it. Um, and I think like when you are in music and you have played music for such a long time, you kind of like learn to experience what that flow is like and, you know, when there needs to be silence and when there doesn't need to be silence. Um, and I think that has helped me um, in my experience with sound design. And one of the first few projects that I ever did, um, I was really lucky to find a mentor like really early on. And um, he like wasn't my mentor yet at the time. It was like I was test. He like sent a test. I was like auditioning to work for him for a project. He like needed a project. And I sent a sound design test over from him and he emailed me back and he was like, are you a musician? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, did you know? And he was like, I can tell by the way that you did the sound design that you uh, have worked in music before um, just because of the way it flows. There's no gaps like you can hear when there needs to be something there like and that's different. So that kind of like stuck with me and made me realize that like the music background has helped me see things in a different light than not. I don't think it's necessary to have a music background, but I do think it helps you to see stuff and hear stuff like a lot more easily than otherwise. That makes sense. And I know you said you went, you went to app. So, and you studied music. Um, What's it like going through a music based program, knowing you don't want to work in music? (laughs) Because I I really have a lot of admiration for people who do that and finish it because uh, I, I didn't, I, (laughs) I started it and was like, all right, cool. And I did a semester of like, the part that requires you to pass like instrument proficiency and take theory. And while that was cool and I learned a lot, um, I really am always interested to hear somebody else's point of view on that. Well, first I originally wanted to be a composer. So I, I did want to do something in music originally. Um, that was like my original goal. Um, I quickly changed to post-production, but I will say that, when I like to be totally transparent, when I got into music school and got into the audio engineering program at app, I had 0.1% of an idea of what audio engineering actually was. Like I had no knowledge of audio engineering at all. Um, I had none of that. Uh, so when I first started going to the workshops and attending the courses, like everything was new information for me and everything was like applicable to my career that I wanted to do because I didn't know anything about audio. Like I didn't know what reverb was. I didn't know what compression was. Like I, I didn't know. Um, I didn't, no one had ever told me that that was an option to be an audio engineer. So I didn't know what it was. And I just had like Googled like jobs in music that are not performance or teaching and like audio engineering came up so that's how I majored in it um so I got really lucky but um 
Yeah, for me, it was I was able to get through it all because I felt like every piece of information was valuable information. And I also think it depends on your career um, or like and your um, program like at the college. Uh, and I did like a blog post about this too on my Command S apparel website, uh, if anybody wants to check it out. But it's, is it worth it to get a degree in college for music or for audio? Um, and it you have to do a lot of research into your program. Like, um, can you get studio time? Can you play and do whatever you want? Or is it only for homework? Um, you know, like, what is the um, what does it look like to get internships with that program? Are they going to help you? Or is that not required? Like, um, how are the teachers there? Are they approachable? Um, you know, can you go to them? Can you play? Can you experiment? Like, all those things were things that I asked before I got into the program. And I realized that the studio there was like a it was open. You know, if the studio wasn't booked, you could do go do whatever you wanted. So for me, the program was 100% worth it. And that's how I was able to get through it. Um, just because I was able to experiment and ask questions. And like I had professors that were willing to help me excel in post-production, even though that wasn't really the intended, you know, direction of that um, particular, you know, class or whatever. Um, you know, I had professors that were like, oh, well, let's do this extra thing that can help you. You know, I'll still give you a grade for this same as everyone else, but we'll change it slightly for you. Um, so the program for me was totally worth it. Um, and I really enjoyed actually going through it and having that music side of things to like back up the posts that I would learn. And I didn't learn a lot about post until I graduated college, to be honest. Like I had no idea about the post-production field. I thought I did, but then I did an internship and I was like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I would Funny I would add that, that <clears throat> you know we've talked this before but like it, on the live side or whatever like is it worth it to go to audio schools and things like yeah. that and I think I think the number one thing and this would go for any schooling is um it's, Take stance. it's <laughs> yes that first oh, wrong, wrong, wrong <laughs> um, college totally worth totally worth it <laughs> um, no if the the I think the primary thing and I, I've been thinking about this a lot and um, I, I'm possibly going to do an interview with um, uh, John Crivet out at a um, at Nam actually talking oh, about nice. some of this stuff yeah. or not panel but interview anyway um, is like just all right, what what does um, what is the responsibility and I'm we'll, we'll narrow it down to audio educators um, of of what does schooling look like and I think I think that there's two things that I think are the responsibility uh, one is just um, opening people's minds to what is out there right because like you said like you just don't know what the options are right the, yeah. the goal shouldn't be going into audio school of any direction whether it's post live recording to be like I got this one track and i'm going to get to this one track right it should be more to just expand your mind of what's possible and then figure this shit out later right that's not the time to figure that out now yeah. the second thing would be to teach people to think what um uh, um to, to think and that's a broad statement then narrowing it down to like okay why am i choosing to name a file this way why am i choosing to edit this way why am i choosing to mix this way like 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 have reasons for why you do something right? i think those are the two cruxes of why anyone should go to school for anything and then beyond that it's all sugar and candy and bonus um but um shit i had some russell trying to go with that um but uh all right i have i um I have a th I have a loaded three part question or st progress here I want to go through. All right. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, so uh, get the grill so out. <laughs> Chrissy, you know what we're signing up for. <laughs> so all right, so you um, so you said you didn't know what post production was to a degree until you got out of school, right? So all right, so 
how and where does someone even remotely get into it? Second part would be what does continual networking, like how do you put yourself out there and, and, and where do you actually get jobs? And, you know, even as a freelancer, are there still companies that are actually outsourcing a bunch of work to you and, and things like that anyway? And then thirdly, I want to get to money. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's let's that that's the progression is, you know, so how does someone even remotely get into post-production and then start networking to build more clients and things like that? Um, so for me, well, first, I, I went to AES my uh, last year of college, um, and that is where I met the person that hired me for my internship uh, when I graduated. So I will say like conventions, I think are really good networking um, and really good place to find jobs and internships, Um, especially if you like you um, are a more social uh, like person in those environments. I'm not. I was just really lucky. (laughs) But um, but I think quick. Sorry. I I have seen people uh, call it call out like Hannah. Right, Hannah Goodine, who's been on the show plenty of times or whatever, right? I mean, she was a very introverted, quiet person, right? Mm. And through being on the podcast and going through trade shows and things like that, she's a different person now. Um, Mm -hmm. It's funny, yeah. You have to to push yourself, right? And and I know it's uncomfortable, but I've seen trade shows and events like that actually help change people. It does. And it's funny, like a lot of people that talk to me are like, wow, you're so extroverted and social. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm extremely introverted. Um, but, you know, um, part of what I did when I finished my internship was I recognized that there were certain traits that I did not have that I thought would be helpful to have to make me successful as a freelancer. And that was uh, networking and the ability to talk to people well. Um, and that is why I took a job in music retail. It was to challenge mm. myself because I knew that I would That's have to smart. talk to people every day um, and that I would have to learn about gear because I didn't have a lot of technical knowledge. Or I did, but not as much as I wanted to have. <laughs> my professor is probably like, you idiot. <laughs> I draw, I taught you. Um, but I didn't have as much as I wanted to have. So I, that is why I took a job in music retails because I knew that I needed to improve in those areas. And it, you know, I did talk to people every day there. Um, and that's how I got my first clients too. You know, like you mentioned networking, like I just, I talked to people there. Like I, I made myself talk to them and plus we work on commissions. So to be honest, I had to talk to them if I wanted to pay my rent. No, so, it, it makes <laughs> sense. It challenge. makes sense. Yeah. So that's how I, um, that's how I networked. Um, and that's how I kind of gained a little bit more of those skills. And I think that's how now a lot of people perceive me as more extroverted. It's like, I'm not, I just like was forced to be, you know, more extroverted in a lot of job positions. So now I've gained a little bit more skills in those areas. And then plus I do audio industry news now. So I'm, you know, talk more (laughs) on camera than I ever did before. Um, so it's a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, I know you mentioned networking and I think social media like plays a huge role in that, especially now. Um, I'll say like, I know Twitter has like, you know, had its drama the last little bit. So I don't know like how popular Twitter still is right now, but no. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say audio Twitter is so helpful, like wow. following audio engineers on Twitter, following, you know, different, you know, uh, dialogue editors and then game audio and po- like all of that on Twitter is so useful and so helpful. And I've just, there's been threads of like the most helpful information there. And then also like you connect with people there that you never would have connected to. Like, you know, I am in conversation on Twitter there and in conversations with people I never thought that I would talk to or know. Um, but I do because we just 
talk online on social media. And it's how I've gotten several jobs is just networking with those people online. And then they're like, oh, well, I talked to this person on you know Twitter and they said they're interested in doing sound for animation. Well, I just got a sound job for animation and I'm booked. So let me pass it off to Krista, who I just talked to, who said she was interested. Um, so I think social media and um, something I learned too is that presenting yourself as like knowledgeable in the industry is really important. So if you are doing like social media, like doing like some kind of informative post, like um, I don't know if you have seen um, Vanessa's post, but Vani Audio, she does a lot of posts mm-hmm. on um, sound design on social media. She has like a huge following and I do like lives with her. Um, like one, I try to do like once a month. Um, but yeah, like she's really good at that. Like she's really good at the whole social media game and networking and posting through there. And she gets a lot of jobs through her social media. Um, and now she works full time in a post-production facility on salary, which is like one of the rarest jobs out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know, like it's funny, like social media plays such a big role, I think, in the networking game. Um, and so I, I think that's probably the most important aspect uh, is to like if you're going to be like on active on social media is like present yourself as knowledgeable in some way, whatever that way might be um, to you. And um, yeah, like talk to people and be their friend. Uh, I think that's the best networking advice I got is like talk to people uh, to be friends with them and not because you want something from them. Um, Talk to them because you genuinely are interested in what they do and you genuinely are complimenting them or genuinely just want to know more about them or whatever. Uh, organic is the word that comes to mind as opposed yeah. to door-to-door salesman, right? I mean, it's not just yeah. pitch, pitch, pitch. It's just, yeah, it's it's community. And then the result of that will then result in when the right opportunity arises and the right time and place, it kind of it falls into place. Well, and that's the other thing about social media, right, is everybody's BS meter is cranked to a thousand. Oh, yeah. Because you just see it so much. And it's not like it's bad it's just that you know being authentic i think comes across yep. probably mm-hmm. far more genuinely than anything that's probably else. a better word than organic but yeah or, or the combining of the two yeah yeah like so, i know i didn't start doing cool stuff till like i had like made genuine friends and like yeah they were like oh i'm doing this cool stuff they you want to come with i was like yeah like yeah why wouldn't i want to go hang out with my friends that's how I genuinely feel about the people I've networked with is that like they're genuinely my friends, you know, right. at this point. That's okay. awesome because I, th- I think that's kind of where our podcast was headed is we, we started out doing this thing and, and, and now people are seeing other genuine audio humans doing what we're doing and the conversations are real. You know, it's not always someone shooting it down or making fun of it or are mm-hmm. poking at people. It seems like, um, and it's very specific to this community of audio people. I don't understand how it works, but like, there's no fighting. It's all about mm-hmm. knowledge and spreading, you know, networking information. And it, I, I, I think it, it's a really cool thing. Like, I'm waiting for someone to say something rude, and it's very hard <laughs> to see that in our community. It really is, and that, and that's like a testimony to this job. Is, um, it. it those who've made it far have have sold themselves through their personality and and that comes Mm -hmm. to my question so before we started i started flipping through your instagram and in your personality in your personal life you have released several albums oh yeah (laughs) so going back to the whole musician bit 
is that a part of a release for you or is it something to keep your mind active or uh, explain that bit of your personality that you're still releasing albums and still putting them out and what does that do for you um i was recently thinking about uh starting to release music under a different name actually <laughs> because i feel like so originally I, I did want to do something in music composition because I just because I didn't really know anything about post-production um, and the closest thing I knew of was music composition. So that's, I thought that's what I wanted to do. So for a long time, you know, I wrote music and and released it. Um, and I've been around a lot of musicians my whole life um, and just like different friend groups and things like that. But um, I I feel like I write music for fun and for my own personal pleasure. And when I was releasing it under my name, I felt a lot of pressure because I felt like I had presented myself as very knowledgeable in post-production and I didn't feel like I was as knowledgeable in the music composition area. Um, I felt very self-conscious about anything that I put out because I felt like it wasn't like to a, a standard that people were expecting. I don't know. But um, it kind of made me not want to put it out anymore because I was just very self-conscious about it. Um, and so that's why, like, if you've seen, like, I have not put out music in a really long time because I've been internally debating um, putting it out under a different name so that I have no pressure, not really hiding it per se, but that way I don't really have that pressure of, I feel like it's connected to my job. Like, I feel like music composition is often correlated with post-production of like, oh, you're a post-production engineer and you do music. So therefore you can also be hired for music composition. And I just don't want to be hired for that. Uh, it's kind of like my source of joy. It's almost like a hobby. And I think that's hard because the hobby kind of correlates so closely with my job. And I want to have some degree of separation to that. For um, sure. Just because I, I don't want to do that uh, necessarily for my job. But I do enjoy it very much. Um, and it's something that I, I have obviously like wanted to get better at and improve at. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it, All right. It's so almost I know cool you to keep have... that as a... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Is is kind of like an alter ego, you know? Yeah. You, you, and and a lot of people have to do that in your work life balance is separate the two, you know. So, it, your your fun things, it's almost easier to present it as this person to your family and friends that you're just a mm -hmm. musician, and then to your work yeah. colleagues and your other friends, your post-production person. And it takes a lot of stress off you. It does. Like um, a lot of us in the audio industry are failed musicians. There's nothing to be shamed about <laughs> that. Because, or, because you, so you've said the same thing that um, a lot of our guests have, that carrying yeah. over into our jobs, this is a thing that is almost like a prereq, is, is some kind of music ability or knowledge or... It, it's almost a way that we paint our picture every day, mm -hmm. whether it's just for voiceovers or it's music production or a broadcast event. Like uh, we tend to paint different than people that haven't been exposed to those things. And I think that's very cool. That's why I wanted to ask about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a while since anyone's asked me about any of the music stuff I did. <laughs> so thank you. So do you have a short list of names for that, what you would call your music project? What do you mean? <laughs> like, 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 Can we come like, up with the band name for you? That's no, I mean, what he's like, asking. Like, I, I don't know. If, I don't oh, know if it's like. I don't know if it's a band so name or, 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 or. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. I did. So I went by this name for a while. Um, and I it's my Twitter username actually, but it's Izzy Marizi, uh, which is my 
is my nickname. Like my family called me Izzy growing up. Hey. And, and, yeah. And my middle name is Marie. And so my grandma would call me Marizzi. Anyway, so that was kind of my nickname growing up is Izzy. And then I, my other family called me Marizzi. So um, for a long time, that was my name. I actually, my YouTube channel was Izzy Marizzi Music. Um, and that is like what I went by. It's got by nice ring really to long. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. That's so cool. I hope that this has inspired you to go do some music after this episode. I'm still writing, you know, I just haven't like put anything out, but I I have been considering it now for a while. I've now that I'm more in the flow of my freelance job and everything. I'm like, man, it's time to start. You know, I've gotten a lot better. (laughs) I want to start putting out more music. Well, then let's make a deal that when when you put out your next, you know, album or piece or whatever, we're gonna have it back on and we're gonna break it down and we're gonna talk about it. All right, how about yes. that? Let's, let's, let's do yeah. that. Yeah, yes, um, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's. I don't want to escape the money question. Uh, and by that, and and oh. so just to set some context here, you know, one of the things we, we've talked a lot about is just kind of, you know, uh, we're trying to help you know break some barriers and conversations people don't typically have. And I'm not. I don't want mm-hmm. you know. You can be as broad and general in this scenario because I know it's going to be vast in terms of the types of projects you work on the love you're working on but like what does it even look like to be a freelancer like what does a 60 second spot versus go ahead sam well i was gonna say i have, I have a couple leading questions um i i go for the jugular and sam's like <laughs> you, all right you do i'm like i want some context chris i'm sorry i don't know enough <laughs> about this area yet i need the context so <laughs> Obviously, so first question, do you have contracts? Do you have like usage agreements? Do you like do you have things that you outline? And then is it work for hire? Do you work on commission? Do you I want get to, know to a dollar amount, Sam? Separate? No, yeah, tax <laughs> returns. I'll tell you. But really, I'm, I'm, like I'm because you're creating something, right? Is it your intellectual property or are, is it that somebody else is leasing mm. or buying from you in terms mm. of like work for hire stuff or is it more like mm kind of studio musician almost where you're like oh you're just creating this thing and you have x couple of hours and this is what you get because this is what i came up with um almost every contract that i've signed as a post-production audio engineer has been work for hire so i don't own anything that i send off it's theirs (laughs) which is fine i mean you know why would i want the to own the audio for some random spot that says one dialogue line you know whatever yeah (laughs) um i (laughs) So professionally, I would say, um, yes, use contracts for everything that you do. Uh, Realistically, I go by vibes. (laughs) So if I feel like somebody is cool or like I go by the vibes off their email, um, I'm not going to send them a contract that's like you will not screw me over by X, Y, Z. And these are the amount of revisions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that I have. I I think it kind of like uh, creates a more stressful environment. Um, and I, I a lot of people will say it's very professional and you should do it. And I do think you should guard yourself, especially if you're feeling off about the situation. Um, yes, send over a contract by all means. Um, I don't think it's the wrong thing to do. It's just in my experience. And I talked to another audio engineer about this. Um, I won't name them because I don't know. <laughs> it was since we were talking in private, but um, they're very well established. And they said they agreed with me because I was asking them, like, am I dumb? <laughs> And they're like, nope, I do the same thing. Uh, I do not do that because I feel like it kind of kills the professional flow of things um, and makes it seem a little bit more stressful when you're just trying to have like a professional working relationship with this person. Nobody teaches um, that stuff. Nobody. There, right. there is no class yep. that you take on. How do I get paid for this right. gig? The class right. is right um, here. 
the classic this is class. Will, this is why yeah, we asked. This is the class. <laughs> <laughs> I will add, though, that many companies do send me a contract, um, mm. which makes me feel comfortable. But uh, usually the contract says this is the rate. And, and we'll be really forthright with each other about the rate. We'll just discuss the rate in like an email. They'll be like, uh, what's your rate? I tell them. And then they're like, cool. Um, and then they send me a contract and they'll say, um, you know, we have agreed upon with Chris G. Maddie, uh, for this amount of rate for this many hours of work. Um, you know, all things that she does is owned by us. Um, you know, yada, yada sign here. I mean, it's like the shortest contract ever, <laughs> basically it's like work for hire. Um, and those are usually the kind of contract. Oh, and then also in the contract, it'll say like, do not talk about our stuff at all, uh, or you'll get sued. <laughs> so, um, Obviously, LLC. so we're not releasing this episode. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> L- anyway, L- let's talk about <laughs> LLC or like an S corp. How do you how do you go about yourself then? I'm sole proprietorship. Um, I found that um, I have done a lot of research into it, and with LLCs, it can be harder to do things within unions. Uh, mm. Not that I have a lot of experience in that, but I am looking into it. Um, it, it's like harder to uh, like you have to have certain like employees or a certain amount of work established or a certain amount of this work to do when you're an LLC. And so it gets really complicated. Um, taxes and things get complicated um, as I'm, I mean, I'm my only employee. So why not be a sole proprietor? For now. You know, for, for now. now, for now. Um, I, you know, I sign Goals. all my NDAs. I'm, I'm confident that I won't get sued by anybody because I'm really, really like closed mouth about everything that I've worked on, um, you know, in companies that I work for until it's like out in the world and it's like there so I could talk about it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, sole proprietorship has been easy for me, uh, in terms of taxes and things. Um, and I know a lot of freelance audio engineers operate as a sole proprietorship. All right, now can we talk money? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I'm curious because like there's um you know I, I mean I do post I well I do I do you know side work and things like that and there's um uh, in terms of editing whether it's podcasts or video editing and and this that and the other and I you know and I, I know what I've seen in terms of you know what's like kind of fair rates and I know again I know it runs the gamut right and you have everything from yeah. you can go on Fiverr and you can get something for five dollars or, or fifteen dollars right and then you can pay someone professionally and it's you know I think you know bottom is I would say often what I've seen the bottom of anything would be at least a minimum of $50 an hour uh, is what I've mm. seen like kind of the bottom of some of this stuff. Uh, but I don't know if you could maybe just speak to what maybe like maybe marry some like types of works and some generalities of what you kind of see is uh, standard, you know, uh, and what level that looks like. Yeah. I'm like really forthright usually with rates um, just because I believe in transparency, but like, I like to be honest, like I'm doing work right now for $35 an hour um, because it's easy. It's easy work. Um, It's extra money. I can get it done really fast (laughs) and I don't mind. Um, It depends, though. You know, sometimes I work for $125 an hour. Um, Depends on the network or, you know, timeline and and things like that. Um, My standard rate usually falls anywhere between $65 to $85 an hour. Yep. Um, Makes sense. That's usually what I start with. Um, but it depends, uh, you know, uh, as a post-production engineer, especially in freelance, and especially if you're starting out, you're going to be working with a lot of indie productions. Um, those indie productions are not going to have a high budget. So you're going to learn how to compromise a little bit in terms of the cash flow. But I will add that, um, a, 
I think there's always like a way to have some kind of trade. Like if you're working for a lower income, you can maybe be like, uh, okay, well, can you edit some videos for me? Or, you know, maybe they have some software that you need or, you know, whatever, uh, royalty payments, something, you know, uh, to add to uh, whatever payment you're not getting that you typically would charge. Um, and uh, this, I don't know, this is random, I'm rambling, but some advice that I got um, from a mentor early on was if you are going to charge less than the rate that you normally charge, when you invoice, uh, mark your full rate and then mark a discount. Discount. So yep. they know that your full rate is higher and they're not going to expect that rate from you forever. So that's a yeah, there's and there's a lot there right so like there is and and the important part in the industry standard is is that you know if you have a bunch of people who are newer to the industry who are just straight up undercutting for the sake of undercutting mm. that actually devalue devalues yes. everyone it does you know what i mean like that that's not a good thing um right. and then um what all right so what what does um so for that 60 to 85 dollar an hour range thing um what's what's the expectation there right like what 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 can someone expect for you to get done in an hour hardly anything (laughs) (laughs) usually usually people that are hiring me at that rate i'm doing like days you know days work um for them like they it's basically a day rate but it's broken down hourly so like you know eight hours be like one day right um and that's this many you know this much an hour times eight and that's the day rate um yeah i would say most projects i usually work on are minimum like three to four hours um i will do stuff that's like an hour or two uh if especially if like i am familiar with the client and we're on a really good working relationship and you know we're cool with each other and i'm very familiar with them and i trust them um then i will obviously help them out and do you know little side things for them no problem um but yeah, normally I'd say like three to four hours. You know, there's not a lot in post-production that you can do in one hour. Like a lot of people yeah, are like, one fair. hour? Oh, it takes you an hour. And like, no, it, no. <laughs> an hour of audio will take days. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it look like perpetuating your job then? Like how many jobs a week do you do? Or what's your average amount of time that you spend working for a week? And for how many clients? Um, it's always different, but, um, I would say because things come so fast in my job, I take it as I go. And so it's a lot more easier to keep track of how much I can take on in a week. So, um, a lot of times it'll be like, can you do this tomorrow, this day, this day? And then I'll have another client reach out and be like, I need this done Friday and Monday or something. Um, and I know just instinctually how much I can get done in a day, um, based off of the work, but, I for like a three minute spot that normally would take me like five hours, six hours, depending on if sound designs needed, maybe longer, like a lot of sound design, maybe longer. Um, so and that's considered pretty fast in post. So, you know, I, I know that I can't take like a bunch of those in a day <laughs> and I definitely can't, you know, take all of that in a week plus like a film. Um, if I'm working on a film, I'm doing just that um for the whole week uh between mental brain capacity and time there's just no way um but yeah i would say probably three clients max a week but it changes i you know i can't confidently say that just because because i'm freelance i am working 
all over the place. So there are some weeks I have five clients, six clients. Some weeks I have one. Some weeks I have none. <laughs> um, so yeah, I in terms of hour, like how many hours I work in a week, like average, maybe like normal, 40, 50, but there are work times where I work longer and times where I don't work nearly as long. Um, I think the thing about freelance is like you get to balance the really busy weeks with really, really slow ones. So it's kind of how a lot of freelancers keep up their energy is there's weeks where you're working every day for 12 to 15 hours. And then there are weeks where you're working like two hours a day. So it's like a, a good balance of rest and then like rushing really hard, really fast. <laughs> Sick. All right. So I'm going to ask the question. Yeah, you've got something else. Yeah, last thing I want to ask about is you branded yourself, and Command S is kind of like your brand and your audio podcast and your albums that you work on possibly soon. (laughs) Um, What inspired Command S, and what is that all about? Yeah, I didn't uh, necessarily start like. I didn't set out to brand anything, but um, it kind of just came about really naturally. But I was, I, it was just like one night I was casually just like, I want to buy something that says audio engineer or something. You know, it's my job. It's also my hobby. I love it. Like, I want to have some clothes that, you know, rep that in some cool way. And uh, I was just Googling, like trying to find something like either on Etsy or online, a shop. I couldn't find anything. Every single thing that I found was so generic. It was like those companies that just splatter, like sound engineer. Yeah, like, yeah, I push faders, ha, 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 and like all this stuff. And I was like, I do not want to do that. Like, I'm silly, goofy, you know, like I do silly, goofy jokes all the time. Like, just watch my bloopers and audio industry news. But like, I'm not that cheesy. (laughs) Like, I don't, I would not be caught dead in that. So I was like, I... I want something else. And so I started thinking about it and I thought about it for a really long time. Like I didn't just like do it the next day. Like I sat on it for a while and was like waiting to see if I, maybe I was just missing something. Uh, and I saw nothing for like months and I was like, all right, I'm going to make something. <laughs> so I started like coming up with these designs and I think it just worked out because I had a friend who is a graphic designer and then a friend who owns a print shop locally and so they're able to print tees. Networking. Networking. Yeah. Networking. <laughs> so so they Friends. were all local to me. So it was just like so easy to be like, "Hey friend, um I have this design. Can I'm going to send it to you. Can you just make it not sucky cuz I'm not an artist?" Um <laughs> And then can, you know, and then, you know, friend, can you print this on a tee? Can you, what's your rate? You know, that kind of thing. So it's like helping, you know, business, friends in business. And then, you know, it's all local. So it worked out and I just started, you know, doing that um, in, with Command S and it kind of just grew from there. Um, you know, it's been a while, a little bit since I've like really pushed uh, a lot. I Like it really needs a restock right now. Um, but I think like with Command S, like, I am literally fully funding it myself. Um, and so every wow. re- restock I do That's, is for like, the record, hold on. Me. Funding all right, so funding <laughs> non print on demand merch is not yeah fucking cheap no <laughs> i'm just gonna say it right like that's and i want to call it like so describe some of the designs because this shit yes. is so cool um, so, 
There's the cable bouquet that I'm in love with. Yay! I yeah. was phasing out that design, honestly. It's like limited edition right now, so buy oh, it. Oh man, Sam, you gotta get on that. Uh, I know. all right. So you 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 did like an overlay of like every polar pattern and it looks like this yes. like multicolored stained glass vinyl. I mean it's I mean so um, cool. uh stained glass um a flower uh of like yeah. polar pattern. I thought it looked like a it. flower, I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um the the Medusa head with all the cables mm-hmm. and everything like that. There's some there's some sick shirts on here. This is a uh, some good stuff. Yeah, a fun tidbit about the cable Medusa. I asked my um, graphic designer friend. I was like, I have this idea of a Medusa, but it's cables, and so the the face is actually my face. Like it's a it's a picture they took of like an outline. Of oh, my that's face awesome! Sunglasses. So See? I didn't know that. <laughs> that's so cool. Super cool. So, yeah. Oh, oh, and these are available as stickers. Uh, yes. so the Medusa head, the polar powder one. Uh, so I think y'all need to, uh, get on this and buy some merch, uh, because this stuff is cool. Like this. Yeah. Good stuff. yeah. It is. It is super cool. Thank that's, you. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It It is kind of branding yourself too. And you're right. Most sound or engineering stuff is super corny. Uh, yeah. I'm with the sound guy. Oh, you don't yeah. know what I'm doing until I don't do it. And right, it, yeah. I'll mute you. Check out my gaff tape, <laughs> like. <laughs> and 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 it's and it's funny that nobody has really approached this as an artistic branding right. thing because um, we're all pretty much little fashionistas ourselves in in some shape or form because we all have this weird artist stuff about it. So I, I was really stoked mm-hmm. to see some of your designs as well, and I think it's a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've grown to really love doing it and uh, like really it has like a special place in my heart now. So it's I'm true. always excited to do stuff for Command S. I'm in the process of branding myself. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> it's going it. to be the, it's gonna be the shittiest thing ever. <laughs> Kyle, you need better friends. We need graphic design friends. <laughs> Have you hey, seen my if tattoos? you guys want to do any prints. <laughs> They're so Sick. bad. I got a friend with a hookup if you need anything. <laughs> Man, we all right. We're I know we're up against the proverbial clock here. We have um, uh, Sam. I know you have a question. Let me let me ask one, and then Sam ask one, as many as you want. All right. What what was the um, uh, oh man? You know what? Mm, I have two different questions. All right. Let me ask one. What what? How do you define success? And was there, um, did you have a, um, was there a point when you learned to do, um, uh, do what you're doing where you had to define that for you realize that like, oh, yep, I, th- I'm succeeding. This is, this is, I'm accomplishing this thing. Do you, do you struggle with that? What, what does that look like? Oh, Sam, did, was that piggybacking on something that you were going to say? Yeah. Or? Like that was, so I kind of was going to ask you a little bit differently. Do you ever feel like you've made it? Just about everything I've asked tonight, you've been able to. I do. Look, man. No, no, it's okay. Same same wavelength. I'm with you. (laughs) Miss Cleo, dude. Miss Cleo. (laughs) We're here reviving. So, do I ever think that I've made it? No. (laughs) That's the short answer. No, I don't. (laughs) I I feel like this career is ever changing, ever evolving. Uh, Every day, something new. Um, And no, I don't feel like I've ever made it. Do I feel successful? Yes, because I feel happy. And my measure of success is if I'm happy. If I'm happy in what I'm doing, then I'm successful. So I feel successful. 
but I do not feel like I've made it there. <laughs> I never will, and that's the fun part about it is I never will. Yeah, but that keeps uh, you. It keeps driving you though, right? Yeah, I, mean, I need it. If I didn't have that drive, where would I be? Uh, not as far as I am now, and probably not anywhere. So <laughs> I'm gonna hold on to that. <laughs> all right. Well, that wasn't my my first question. Was gonna be um, uh, um, what what's one of the biggest mistakes you've made, and what did you learn from it? Hmm. Um, That's a different twist on Sam's question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I <laughs> I'll say on a personal level. I was very defensive uh, over a lot of my work when I was first starting. I think that was a, a big downside. Mm. Um, Can you give an example? I, yeah, like um, a lot of times when I would get notes I, on something, I won't say a lot of times because I had just started, so it was like one or two times. But um, when I would get notes, I would get like very, well, I did this because you asked for this kind of thing, you know, like, well, this is what, not from like a mean standpoint, but just from like an explanatory, like, well, okay, mm -hmm. well, you asked for this. So I, I did it this way and this is why. Um, and I quickly learned that that comes off very like rude in the industry. And, and not even that, it's just like producers don't have time to listen to your explanations. Like it's their project, it's their vision and they just don't care that sounds mean. I don't mean it that way, but I, it, it ultimately like they're the ones paying you. It's their baby. Like you are raising their baby and you do it the way that right. they ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had to learn to not take it personally. Yes. And, and that was something that I really had to like internally work on is like, I recognized it right away and I was like, Oop. And I think it happens a lot in music too. Like uh, music artists, especially understand this really well is like when somebody's like, I don't like your track or like, I don't like the way you mixed it. You know, it's very defensive because it's, you know, something that you worked on. It's very creative and it's hard to hear that kind of stuff. Um, but I think something that's important to recognize in post is that um, however the producer or the editor is wording it to you, nothing you ever do is wrong. Like nothing in audio is ever wrong. Like it's just different. So you do it differently <laughs> next I time. And I, next I, I smell subjective. a shirt, by the way. I smell yeah, a shirt subjective. coming with that. Yeah. <laughs> Some, something yeah. in that vein. Write that down. Yeah. I think there's a. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? I, I have a bunch of stickers from Ryan and it says whatever fucked up way you want to do it. <laughs> yeah yes that's how i believe it it's like you know it, it's just different ways so i had to kind of internalize that really early on uh i that was a big mistake i made is i took everything really personally um and i and i was defensive without even realizing that i was being defensive and now when i get you know corrections i just say of course i will change that right away <laughs> and i just change it and it's amazing it, how much easier that goes it's, bus it's business right like you ha it's yeah. transactional it's business yeah right? and you and know you can argue like if you are really passionate you know you really feel like something you did it has like it works you know you can argue in a respectful way that um you know for their vision like i think this is great like can you please trust me and let me run with this for just a little bit longer can you trust me and i think sometimes that will work out but um in terms of the well i did it this way because it's like they are like they're already tuning out at that point like they're moving on to something else they're busy you know you know it doesn't matter just be like okay no problem and and do that and now i'm you know uh, obviously not like that at all and and especially i've done it enough now where it just rolls off my back <laughs> a lot of the stuff that i've worked on so yeah go ahead sam sick all right <laughs> so i've been dying to ask you this question for forever yeah what do you wish you knew when you first started um i wish i knew that 
nobody has it figured out. <laughs> and that no matter how far behind you feel, everybody else feels more similar to you than you think they do. That might be my favorite answer to that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew uh, it was going to be good. Uh, That's why I was like... <laughs> All right, everyone, hit, hit, the, hit, the, like last half hour. hit the 15 second button on your podcast player right now. Go back and hear that statement again. That was, uh... <laughs> I, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people that I really idolized, like really idolized, were like heroes in audio of mine. And I talk to them and I'm like, oh, my God, they're normal. <laughs> and they have the same doubts that I do. And they, they still are questioning the same things that I do. Um, and they're still doing the same things that I do. So I was just, I was really surprised and I wish I had known that later on because it would have saved me a lot of stress and anxiety. All right. Well, then I, I like to ask in these scenarios, when did you realize that? Oh man, <laughs> not till recently, probably a couple years ago. Um, I was always very self-conscious about like where I was at and I felt, um, like I was always behind, um, it, which is like ridiculous because like everybody's on their own schedule and you know in audio like no, you know everything's different everybody has their own pass um but i i said something one time to an audio engineer i'm like oh i i like you know i'm at the time i was like 25 26 something like, i'm already 26 like you know da, da, da. and they're like that's young you are you serious <laughs> like what are you talking about like you're so ahead and it was like just a different perspective and i was like i think i'm really behind this person thinks i'm really ahead so it kind of like started to make me realize that it, I questioned it. You know, I was like, oh, maybe everybody feels this way. And then, you know, through talking to different mentors and things, I was like, oh, my God, we think the same. <laughs> like, I didn't know. <laughs> so. Great outlook. God, do you have a Congre yeah. Congratulations on four years of doing this. Hopefully there's going to be Thank 40 you. more in different directions all so. over the place. It, it's yeah, I hope it's so. refreshing to hear the answers that we want that we de didn't necessarily know that we were going to get. And, and, <laughs> and, and that's, that's the beauty of this business is we're all perpetual students. We're perpetually learning. There is no industry standard. Um, everything yes. is very subjective. Everything is about what picture you're going to paint and how you're going to get it done and the deliverable. So um, mm. very refreshing. I, I just keep saying thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. If it sounds good, it is good. That's all. Oh, man, that's right. You should hear I, my I'm snare. You, it's perfect. See, <laughs> I, 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 you just perfect you snares. just dropped kind of two two phrases tonight for stickers and a shirt. So I think you need to kind of work Look, on. Look, I'm working uh, on one. I'm not gonna lie. If it sounds good, it is good. I'm working on go. one. There you go. There you go. All right. So Krista, <laughs> if you could define your legacy, how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Oh my gosh, this is such a strong question. <laughs> um, I hope that people see me as approachable um, and recognize um, me as somebody that like uh, anybody can always come to or discuss. Uh, I really have always tried to make myself be that way. Um, any kind of like audio questions or anything like that. But I've always set out from the beginning to be uh, a like representation of women working in post-production um because i have i didn't see that uh when i was growing up and when i was graduating um and so i hope i just hope that my legacy is uh woman in post um that is really approachable and real and honest about everything that happens in the audio industry and doesn't try to gate gatekeep anything <laughs> um because that's how i've always tried to be yay yes 
And oh, man, I told you I had a lot tonight. All right. So I just realized. Keep we, a we, comment. I don't have anything right now. So. Okay, good. <laughs> Kyle, if you got to go, it's all good. I realized we totally skipped over um, the whole audio industry news thing that you do on Instagram. Yeah. Like, we can't not mention that because, quite frankly, that's how I, I found you, right? Like, um, I, I don't know at what point I stumbled across you on Instagram, but I did. Um, so, can you, A, talk about um, the audio industry news um, reels that you do on Instagram? I don't know if you do them on, do you do them on TikTok too, or is it just Instagram? I, uh, I have started posting them on TikTok as well. I'm not like as active over there, but somebody was like, start posting there. So, <laughs> I just add them there as well. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, so a couple questions. A, what inspired you to do that? Um, you're almost at episode, episode or, or, or uh, news fifty. Um, mm -hmm. What's that? I know you just posted recently, like what that process looks like. Just to talk about, you know, what, what's what's that journey been like for you? Yeah, I I wanted to do something that was different uh, on social media because I saw a lot of like sound design, you know, in in the post world, like sound design. How do you sound design? Or you know, like tips for Pro Tools and, you know, how-to videos. Uh, I felt like there was a lot of that. Um, and I wanted to do something different and kind of fun and capitalize more on, like, my personality um, because I do feel like I can be, like, a little bit silly, goofy <laughs> um, and upbeat. And um, I started to get the idea that, like, I could do news updates. Um, and I think that came a lot from my music retail background of uh, every week I was like learning, seeing something new, seeing the latest things to come in. I was always like the first ones to like, you know, try them out because like the reps would come into the music retail stores and be like, try out this new thing. And I was like sort of reflecting on that and being like, you know, it was like fun to always learn about stuff uh, as it was coming out. And I started to think that there was not really anything out there that discussed audio industry news especially like quick enough because we're all really busy and we don't have time to watch 30 minutes like of like a whole like news broadcast like mm -hmm. you know normal so i was like maybe if i could just shorten it and do like a lightning fast like you know things happening this week like weekly um and just hit the highlights uh that it would be interesting and different um than the normal reels that i had seen so i kind of just set out to do something more unique uh, and that's what my brain came up with and i actually have a lot of fun doing it every week um and so that's how i'm now almost on 50 um it's just i have a lot of fun doing it uh and every week it's something new and um you know something new happening so no it's also i mean it's it's working i mean on on, on many levels i'm um what have you learned about yourself through doing that process what well, learned about yourself uh, through doing that process um I've I've learned that I I'm getting better <laughs> on camera than I thought. <laughs> um my first episode like if I go back and watch the first ones it's like that to this is like a night and day. Um like, so, the, that's everybody's, right? I mean everybody's yeah. first podcast episode, their first blog, their first whatever, <laughs> they're almost always garbage. So that's yeah. okay. <laughs> it, it's it is fun that like you know I'm I'm learning more about myself like being on, you know, a lot of people are always like commenting and being like, "Wow, like, you know, you seem so like upbeat and like silly and you know all that stuff and so i'm kind of like oh okay <laughs> it's just my personality like i don't know i'm just being myself um which is what i kind of set out to do is like always not to like put on a front for anything like if i was going to do the audio industry news i wasn't going to be like anybody but who i actually am in real life um so 
Yeah. I mean, I have learned like over time, I have learned and gotten better at uh, talking to the camera. I've also learned that I'm really good at memorizing stuff because a lot of that stuff is lines that I memorize and say directly to the camera. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So that has taken a lot of, uh, you know, learning over time. Um, But yeah, I I, I don't know. (laughs) I just, I try to keep my personality. So hopefully that answers your question. I don't even know. Which goes back to what we talked about earlier, right? The authenticity, right? The organic (laughs) authenticity is honestly what works, right? I mean, that's what's worked for us. That's what worked for so many people. Um, You know what I I think I find interesting about your career uh, um, and many others is you do these little things along the way that you don't know why you're going to need them in the future. Um, yeah. you know, uh, or it's like you, you pick, you pick up skills, whether it's a side hustle, whether it's a passion project, whether it's a whatever. And then yeah. down the road, you're like, Oh my goodness, I know how to do that. Or I, you know what I mean? I, I can bring that skill to the table now. And I feel like whether that's already happened for you by doing this or not, I feel like that's going to be a thing for you down the road. Uh, whether you get into more video things or, or, or copywriting or whatever, like, um, uh, I think it's, maybe it's already happened, but th- th- those are skills that you build upon that you hadn't, you just, Oh, let me just try this thing. You know, like, I mean, look, I, like, um, a lot of people don't know, like, my history behind, like, podcasting. I'm not going to go the whole route right now. But, like, I worked for two or three other podcasts behind the scenes before I was ever even in front of one. You know what I mean? And it set me up to be able to do things that I had no idea uh, um, or write or whatever have actually been doing what I'm doing now. But it's because I have, oh, let me just try this. Let me just try this. And then it set itself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I didn't even realize I was doing it at some points, but uh, yeah, it ended up helping me down the road. Yep, that's cool. All right. And you're wearing you're wearing one of your, your sweatshirts, by the way. I see now that I see I it's am. the sound department one. Yeah. Sound department, yeah, and it has fade in, fade, fade out, in, on fade the out. Sleeves, so I like when you're that editing, one. Kind of works. <laughs> I like that one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I had joggers too. I think they're. Uh, I'm Come getting on, closer Sam. to. I'm phasing those out, kind of. Um, Sam, you, you better know, jump summer. on all her swag before she phases I, like, out. I'm in the process of like trying to get a bunch of new designs in, so I'm getting a bunch of old designs uh, out. So Sam's going to be at your house we'll tomorrow. We'll talk. I live close enough yeah, to you yeah, for this to be drive, dangerous. Just drive over. You know, just drive over, and I'll, I'll hook you up. <laughs> awesome. Um, Sick. Uh, I appreciate you hanging with us. I love what you're doing. We all love what you're doing. Um, uh, there'll be plenty of links in the description for those who want to check out your Instagram feed and Command S and your website and all that stuff and uh, yeah uh, thank you thank you for having me I had a really good time talking to all of you yay thanks for hanging out